How's everyone doing, man? Man, I'm so excited to be here. Man, it's really great. Okay, cool. Um, last week, uh, Fi, Fi, my friend Fi spoke, and uh, I love it when someone else speaks because then I just get to like just enjoy church, and uh, and I had fun. Um, so we're doing a series right now called Jesus First, and it's about putting God first in your life. So the, the, someone came and asked Christ, hey, look, what's, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus said to love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. He said this is the first and the greatest commandment. And, and that's just crazy difficult to do, to love God with all of your heart. I think, especially as America, because we love so many things, and uh, someone was worried about multiple things. And Jesus had this statement that was going on in their life. And he said, look, if you just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these things will be, will be added to you. And so what I realized is that learning to seek God, putting God first in your life changes everything, right? Well, in hindsight, you could see where a lot of things go wrong in our finances or in our marriage, at work. It's like, yeah, I, I got this job because God gave me the job. I give God all the glory. He's the best. All of a sudden, our relationship or our, our sight of the Lord drifts in our life, and we realize that God's on the back burner. When things go wrong in our life, we question, God, where were you? What happened? And, it, and it's really just about priority. Learning to put God first in our life changes everything. It enriches the relationships that we value the most, and he protects all the things that, that we have valued because he has placed those things there in our heart. In week two, we talked about um, what uh, the, the, the process of, of, of setting um, of, of learning to develop a relationship and cultivate a, a relationship with God or just cultivate anything that is, in fact, in our life that we value. One of the quotes that I loved so much was that we don't, we don't rise to the level of our goals, but we fall to the level of our systems. And we start learning to talk about how, like, if you want to have a relationship with God, what's the system look like? What's the process? If you want to have a better relationship with your spouse or your friend or you want to develop a better uh, re- job, what is the system, what is the process in, in which that you have in life that keeps the things in order that you value? Otherwise, you'll spontaneously check in and check out randomly of the things that you want to do best in life. Putting Jesus first, you should have a process to how you develop that relationship with God. Last week, five, when he spoke, one of the things that, I, I, that he said that, that really grabbed my heart, it was um, when he talked about learning to... Um, he talked about the blind guy when he got touched from Jesus and how he took off his cloak before he pursued God. And what I liked about that was before God healed him, he had already stripped himself of the identity that he had. And uh, there's some things that we're hanging on to in this world that we really need to let go of before we can get to where God's taking us. I say all that to say this. We started off week one by saying, how do we return to God with all of our heart? I think many of us would say, I'd love to love God. I'd love to have a relationship with God that, that is priority in my life. I believe in prayer. I just don't do it very often or do it very well. I'd, I, I'd, and so what we talked about in week one, the best way of developing a relationship with God is clearing the table of everything else and making so that there is nothing else but God. It's kind of the stripping where, where people hit rock bottom in their life and that's where they find God, in jail or at the bottom of a relationship. When things are broken, it's like at that point they find God because they're not distracted with all of these other things that they desire in their life. Well, in Joel, we read it in week one and I'm gonna go back to it because of some of the things that God put in my heart for today. I'm so excited about today because, oh, I'll tell you in a minute. 
We said in week one, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. He said, even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Okay, so that's what I want to do, God. I want to love you. I want to put you first in my life. I want to put you first in my relationships. I want to put you first at work. I want to put you first in my finances. I'm going to put you first in my family. I'm going to put you first in my life. How do I do it? Well, he says, I want you to rend your heart, not your garments. What he's saying is, I don't want you to come to church. I want you to, I want you to love me with your heart, with your affection. I want you to intentionally, with your heart, love me. How do you love anything? You do it with passion. You do it with your voice. If you're a football fan, you do it loud. You do it proud. You know, you buy the jersey, you, you, you yell at the television. You know, sometimes at church, you got to get loud. It's what comes out of your heart, you know. And so when we're passionate about things, we, we get vocal about it. If you're passionate about music, you talk about it. And you want it to come out. Rend your heart. Rip your heart in half, he says. And, uh, and he says, return to the Lord, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from giving calamity. Who knows? He may turn and relent and leave something behind, a blessing, a grain offering, a drink offering for the Lord your God. And then he says this, afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. I'm going to stop there for just a second, Caleb. Afterward, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Well, we, if you're new here or this is your first week or you haven't been here in a couple of weeks, we've been, doing, uh, we've been fasting as a church for the last 21 days. Say, what? Not everyone's fasting and not everyone's fasting the same things, right? Some people are fasting social media or uh, I, I fast at reading the newspaper because when was the last time I got one of those, right? No, uh, so we've been fasting different things and, and uh, many of us have given up food and, and different kinds of food for long periods of time, but I, I'm pretty excited about tomorrow grubbing, right? Anyone else uh, interested in some Reese's Peanut Butter Cups tomorrow? Maybe just me. All right, anyways, um, so uh, we've been fasting and what the word says here, he says, who knows if you return to me with all your heart, with fasting, I may turn and leave a blessing behind. Uh, we've been praying for our church for some breakthrough and, and uh, praying that God would do some great things here in our church. And man, it's, we've seen so much growth, even in the last year and a half. Uh, we, I was talking with my wife just recently, and uh, about a year ago, um, we had about 100 people in our church. You know this weekend we'll have 300 people here? I, I think that's crazy. Um, and we've seen a lot of people say, man, you know, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to serve the Lord. I'm signing up for baptism. I'm doing this. And it, it's just neat to see what God's done. Well, as we continue to seek God and put God first in our church, God's doing some neat things. And we're seeing some miracles and stuff. And so he says, who knows, uh, maybe he'll leave a blessing behind. Well, this weekend, what the blessing is in verse 28, he says, afterward, after you fast, after you turn to me with all your heart, afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, to some people that's not church folk, this can freak you out, especially if you, you ever go to a Pentecostal church and it gets a little, it gets, people start bringing up the little napkins and stuff, laying on people, you know, it can get crazy. Uh, we're going to try to keep it down, but really it is, uh, it is my heart's desire to see God pour his spirit out in our church because we, we really need it. I mean, uh, so we were praying here yesterday during prayer and there were several prophecies that came out. And, and I want you to understand that when the Spirit of God moves, that's where there's healing. That's where there's wisdom. That's where there's understanding. That's where there's deliverance. That's where there's freedom. And now many of us in this room today are, are asking God for a breakthrough in an arena of our life. And it happens 
in the Spirit of God. And so some people are, are intimidated, but, but I want you to know, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, before the heavens and the earth were even created, the Spirit of God was here, and he hovered over the face of the earth. So the most normal thing in the world is the Holy Spirit. What's weird is the way people respond to it, or they make the Holy Spirit out to be something that's odd or funny or anything, but he is the most normal thing in the world, which was why... Whenever the Holy Spirit is, there's, there's peace. There's rest. I mean, like some of you have been fighting all week long, and then you get in the church, and the Spirit of God's moving, and it's like my anxiety level's just dropping for the first time. And afterwards, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. He says, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. This was all in Joel asking us to return to the Lord with fasting, with mourning, and with weeping. And then he says, and afterwards, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters will prophesy, see visions, and dream dreams. I don't know if you're familiar with many things, but one of the ways that God speaks to his people, I want you to know, first of all, God's alive. God is not dead. God does speak to his people. And the problem isn't that is God speaking. It's the, the bigger problem is are we listening? Because we're so distracted by so much noise. Nowadays, we, we don't have, uh, it used to be that, that television could have like a 10 minute, a 10 second video clip. Uh, but now I think that the, the, the seconds of like how long they have to change to a different camera angle just to keep our attention is like two seconds. Uh, because they have to keep our attention. And everything is coming at us in such a fast way. Social media, I mean, you, you, you scroll because it doesn't capture your attention. And so it's hard to slow down long enough to listen to God's voice because he's not, he's not fighting for your attention. You, we're fighting for his. And he already, you, you already have his attention, but it's a matter of stilling everything else, all the noise, that we can identify it. Well, one of the ways that God speaks to us the most is with dreams and with visions. It's with dreams and it's with visions. And that's really what today is going to be about, putting Jesus first in our life, in the dreams and in the visions of our life. Now, I want you to know, some of you don't know me. Um, I, I, I believe God speaks to me every day. But I don't often say that I heard God's voice. Does that make sense? I feel like God speaks to me every day in the notion of he bumps me or he prompts me, hey, I want you to text that person and tell them that you love them. But that's not God's like voice. That's just a knowing and an understanding and a leading and a guiding and a pushing and a stirring and a, oh, you know what you need to do is you need to apologize to that person because you were not thoughtful and you, you really missed it in that situation. Okay. And so God's lead, he's speaking to me, but I want to hear his voice every day of my life. I'd say I wasn't expecting the way this fast went. And for a lot of ways, this fast for me was terrible. I worked, we did build out and construction the whole time. In my head, I envisioned fasting and praying, and I would just be sitting like right here with my face down to the ground for like the whole 21 days praying. And it, it was a very non-spiritual fast. Instead, it was my hands were busy working for the Lord, doing things that God would have me to do. And I don't know what your fast looked like, but mine was more working. Well, God spoke to me two nights ago, and uh, it was really crazy. He gave me a dream. And I'm going to share that dream with you today. I'm pretty excited about it. I dream. I have about four dreams a year, and three of them I would account to pizza, um, or 
Reese's peanut butter cups or double stuffed Oreos or whatever I eat right before I go to bed because uh, I have a really good diet, you know. And um, but um, I had a dream the other night and uh, it was so loud. I don't know if you ever have a dream where you you have a dream and then you you go to sleep and then you wake up and you have the dream again. Wait, no. You, you go back to sleep and you have the dream again and then you wake up and you go back to sleep and then you have that same dream and it's like the dream is looping and it's looping and it's looping. Well, I heard a voice in my dream and the voice was my voice and all I could remember was a verse that I didn't know was in the Bible. So I had to look it up and I have a verse that I want to read to you today that I believe God wants to speak to us, putting Jesus first in our life. Is that cool? Let's pray. Jesus help. Amen. All right. So um, before, I, before I even read it to you, um, afterwards, I'll pour out my spirit on all, on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. My hope today is to end the sermon as quickly as possible, but I'm a preacher, so I don't do that. But my hope today is to pray with everyone in the church. I don't know if we can get there because I may talk too much, but we'll see what happens. Psalms 126. Man, there's only six verses in this. And so if you want to memorize something, this is a cool one. Um, When the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. And then they said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for them. And we are glad. Lord, have your way. I, uh, what was really funny is uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was hanging out with my spiritual parents. And uh, they had asked me, hey, do you have a song for 2020? And I said, uh, yeah, I do. There's a song that I really, really love a lot, and I feel like it's defining my life right now, and it's by Hillsong, and it was on their last album called People, and uh, it's called The Song of Ascent. You guys ever hear that song, Song of Ascent? Uh, it's super awesome, and it's just talking about how regardless of the season, that my heart is going to worship God regardless of whether things are terrible, whether I'm in the valley or I'm on the summit, whether things are great or things are not, my heart is still going to worship God. And I feel like that's a good song for my life that I'm not just going to worship on Sunday mornings when everything's glorious, but I'll do it on, on Sunday afternoons when everything's terrible. Sunday afternoons are the worst part for me. It's the worst part of the week. I don't know why. Anyways, here we go. If everyone encouraged me, do it on Sunday afternoon, like four o'clock. It's the best time. I hate my life. Everything is so terrible. It's because I'm drained. But anyways, here we go. Um, when the Lord brought back those that were captive, we were like those who dreamed. Two times this month, I've listened to a speaker who said this, and I don't know if this is accurate but because I, I, I don't know Hebrew, but I have heard two preachers say this, this this month. They said that the word dream in Hebrew is the same, is very, very close to the word alive in Hebrew to the point where when it's read, they didn't know how to translate it to go whether it's alive or dreamed. I think that that's funny. Look at this for a second. When the Lord brought back those that were captive from Zion, we were like those who dreamed. When the Lord brought me back out of my deliverance, we were like people who dreamed again. We're coming out of this fast, and the Lord is saying that he's going to pour out his spirit on everyone in this room, and that we, if we're lucky, 
We'll prophesy. We'll see visions. We'll have dreams again. What I realized in this verse, I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping, and all I heard was, when the Lord brought us back from captivity, we were like those who dreamed. When the Lord brought us back from captivity, we were like those who dreamed. What is it in our life? Why is it that when people are captive, they don't dream? Why is it when your marriage is in the worst season of your life, you can't help but ever see a brighter future? You feel like you're stuck in the moment. Everything is dark and you can't see a way out. Why is it that when you're financially in a bad situation, you can't see a brighter day? You feel like you're stuck there permanently. If you fail a test or something happens in school, it's like there's never a future going to happen in our life. We lose a job. We get a bad uh, uh, statement from a doctor. The first thing that happens is we feel like we're prisoners and we don't dream. And the problem is we are people of hope. We are people that should dream more than anyone and believe for great things beyond anyone else in our life. And the Lord has pulled us out of captivity, out of breakthrough, and he's called us to a new life. And some of us never learned to dream. I'm not trying to do the Martin Luther thing here, but um, do you have a dream? Is there something that God has put in your heart for tomorrow? What is it that he's called you to do? What is the purpose of your life? Do you realize that there is a better tomorrow that's still coming? Or are you stuck in a moment that's happening right now? But I know that when people come out of jail, they see a brighter day. It is like, hallelujah, where's the cheeseburgers, man? We're going for this thing. Hey, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a job and I'm going to work nine to five and it's going to be glorious. And some of us are working nine to five going, this is terrible. But when you come out of captivity, you have dreams. And some of us, God has unlocked your marriage. He's unlocked a relationship. He's unlocked a finance. And we're still stuck. What happened to the dreams that God put inside us? I remember um, Acts chapter 20, uh, uh, chapter 20, verse 24. Paul said this. He said, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task for the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying the good news of God's grace. And I felt like I should share it with you this morning. I, um, I woke up this morning and I, I like to pray in the morning at, at 3 a.m., and uh, what's weird is I, 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 sometimes I'll get on social media and I haven't really uh, this fast, but I know that I'm done today. And so I jumped on uh, this morning while I was prayer. I got distracted. Anyone else ever get distracted and go to social media when you're praying? Uh, it's terrible that your pastor's telling you that he's done that before. <laughs> so anyways, I did it this morning at 3 a.m. And, uh, and I, got, I got news at about 4 that um, another friend of mine had died uh, back home of heroin. In the last two weeks, I've lost two friends from back home that was, in, that was on heroin. And I got thinking about it, and uh, a friend of mine reached out to me at 4 a.m. So how he knew that I was awake, but he did that Facebook wave thing. I don't, I don't, I don't even know how it exists, but I looked at his post, and I found out that he, a friend had died. And, and it got me thinking about where I was years ago. I, um, 
before I knew Christ, I was a drug addict. And um, I come from broken families. And um, my mom was married three times. And um, I, uh, I lived in a town where I lived an hour and a half from New York City. And I never saw the city in my life. And it's not like New York City is something you should dream of, but it's something you should dream of. It, you should think of something more than just the small town you live in. And I'd never wandered outside of my town except for to do a drug run. I never had a dream in my life. And I remember when I came to Christ, one of the most significant moments in my life is when I encountered the Holy Spirit. And I remember there was an evangelist there that night and I was sitting on like the back left-hand side of the church and there was an evangelist that came in and evangelists are always pretty cool because they can say whatever they want and uh, they, they'll get away with it because they're, you're never, you don't know who they are and you don't know where they're going and you don't know who they are. So they just, they're good. And the guy looked at me in the back and I, at that point in my life, I was a hot mess, right? I had two dreadlocks. <laughs> two, right? And so uh, how does that look, you know, right? And so... Uh, he pointed at me in the back, and he, and he said, hey, um, you, uh, I have a word for you. And he, it was in Habakkuk, and uh, I, you know, Habakkuk, right? Like, have any of you guys ever even read that book in the Bible? And, and he said, uh, he prophesied this over to me. He said, look to the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for God will work a work in your days, which you would not believe, even if you were told. And um, it's crazy to me to think, 20 years later, I've been to 12 countries, in 47 states, I'm debt-free, and I'm in ministry, <laughs> right? Like, how's that work? I, I, I have a house payment. Um, I, but what God has done in my life, he's allowed me to live in such a way where I am not a victim, and I'm not a prisoner, and I'm not stuck, but I have a dream, and what's great about a dream is it it puts something in your eyes down the road of where you're going, what you want to see happen, a bucket list. Uh, I don't know what, what it is, but what's God stirred inside of you? What are you going to do with the rest of your life? Because if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. There, uh, uh, William Wallace said once that every man dies, but few people ever live. And, uh, and I realized because some people don't have dreams. All they know is that they're stuck and they're going to wake up tomorrow and go to work. And I refuse to believe that the purpose of my life is just to work. I want to see God use me to heal the sick, to touch hearts, to see addictions broken and people laugh again. And there's the greatest feeling in the world for me. It, literally, it's my favorite, even beyond holding my kids, is when I get to put my hand on someone's chest and I feel teardrops on my hands. Because I know something is changing on the inside of them. Hurt from years ago is being washed away in a moment, not because of me, but because of God's spirit. Do you have a dream? Because I think that we're supposed to. Because when God led us out of captivity, we were like those that dreamed. I say that to say, he asked us to fast. We fasted. The promise, the hope is, who knows? Maybe he'll leave a blessing behind. Maybe he'll pour out his spirit. Maybe we will see dreams and have visions and hear God. Maybe something will stir inside of us that people will have purpose. 
And so I pray today over you this. The vision of our church is, is fourfold. We want to see people know God. We want to see people find freedom. We want to see people discover purpose. And we want to see people make a difference. We want to see people know God. We want to see people find freedom. We want to see people discover purpose. We want to see people make a difference. We want to see people know God. We want to see people find freedom. We want to see people discover purpose. We want to see people make a difference. And why that's important is in this room right now, there are people that have been believers for 106 years. And some that don't know if they believe in Jesus at all. And what I love is you're in a relationship with God whether you realize it or not because he's committed to you, okay? He's never gonna leave you. So he's following you around leaving this place today whether you like it or not. He loves you. Some people in this room need to know who God is. I mean a deep relationship with God, one where you hear him speak to you and you know that whatever happens tomorrow, things are gonna work out just fine because God exists and because he's with you. You need to know God. Does that make sense? There are others in this room that really need, you know who God is and you know that God's with you, but you're, you're stuck. There's pain in your life. As we prayed yes, yesterday here on the altar, there were several prophecies that came in and, and prophecies is when God's speaking to people on behalf of what's going to happen here. And two of them, one of them was that there was going to be like honey in this place. Honey is a symbol of, of healing. Mm-hmm. Another one came in, it says that like there were hooks that were being removed from people and chains were breaking in this room. And I know that there are people in this room that feel like you are stuck and you can't get free. And I'm telling you, I know who Jesus is. I've been stuck before. And I've been unstuck only because of the love of God. And the third, there are some people in this room that need to discover their purpose. They need a vision. They need a tomorrow. They need to know that, that they're not an accident, that their life, didn't, they, they weren't just born, but God made them for a purpose. And, and finally, there are some people in here that need to just get their butt moving and doing things for Jesus. You've been a believer for far too stinking long. You need to get off your tail and do something for Jesus. You can take that however you want. That's the word of the Lord. (laughs) Come to me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not yet know. Call to me and I will answer you and I will show you a great and mighty things which you do not yet know. Is Rachel here? Yeah, there she is. All right, great. Um, if I was sitting on the stage, I'd see you, but I, sorry. I, um, my hope today is that we pray for folks to know God, to find freedom, to discover purpose, and to make a difference. We're asking to put Jesus first. I believe when you put Jesus first in your life, he gives you a direction. And for some of you, the direction may simply be, let's not get ahead of ourselves. The direction may simply be, you know what? You need Jesus. That's it. And that's a good place to start. Uh, my wife tells me that daily. You need Jesus. Yes, ma'am. I'm trying.